Well, by my presence standing before you, you'll know that, that I survived my ordeal from last week. I really missed you all. I, I was running in the Houston Marathon and Juan Pablo, our, our sexton, I, and I both were in it and we both finished and we're so happy to do so. It's fantastic. If you see Juan Pablo, I hope that you'll, uh, you'll congratulate him on his first full marathon completed. You know, it, uh, it's not an easy thing. I particularly missed you all about mile 17. I thought, I should be in church. This is not, this is not the place for me. I've never uh, wanted one of those bumper stickers that say, says, I'd rather be running. But I may look for some running shorts that say, I'd rather be preaching. Yeah, that fits me. Uh, special thanks go to uh, Bill and Gail Vale, who were there at rooting us on at mile 16. And then also to uh, Julie and Casey Lowry at mile 18. And uh, we couldn't have done it without you. Thank you. Exactly one month ago, it was December the 21st, and we were probably all uh, engaged in the issue of gifts. We were maybe buying them or wrapping them or putting them under a beautiful tree because at Christmas, gift giving is uh, a huge part of it. It has to do with our love for people and our desire to see them receiving gifts. Now it's January the 21st, and we shift from the idea of gifts to the idea of work. Another kind of gift, actually. It was, uh, it, it is in the expending of the things we have available to us that we realize some amazing fulfillment. The way that we apply our gifts reveals the nature of our work in this world. Some years ago, at the Council of the Diocese of Texas, we had a special preacher. It was the rather new American Roman Catholic Cardinal, yes, His Eminence, Daniel Nicholas Dinardo, was preaching to us, to this whole roomful, big roomful of Episcopalians. I still remember his basic message. It was that in baptism, we receive a gift. And he went on to say, and in baptism, we also receive a job. And they go together. Now, I want to spend just a one minute thinking about the gift that is ours in baptism that comes as a way of salvation. And I want to spend a few minutes on the idea of our job that we receive at baptism. The gift part is amazing. It is the grace of God. It is multifaceted. In baptism, we receive membership in a family with Christ as the head of the family. We belong to other people. We belong to the Lord. It's beautiful to receive that gift. We receive the gift of forgiveness. In baptism, we come to know for the rest of our lives that we are reconciled to God. 
And there is no obstacle. We have a union with Christ that's just everything to us. In baptism, we realize the pledge of heaven, that we know where we're going, and that there are elements of that heaven that even live with us in the present, so that despite the worst kinds of experiences of our life, the gift of heaven is somehow there with us because we know to whom we are going. In baptism, we receive the gift of the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's power. Empowered. And that brings us to this issue of work. We are empowered for a reason. And in fact, all of the gifts that we've just described become more vibrant, more real as we begin to see how we serve. That's the way that we respond to the call of Christ when he says, come, follow me. When we follow Christ, we will find ourselves called to particular tasks of ministry. It just goes with who the community of the baptized are. In our scriptures today, we had some examples actually of some reluctant workers. We all are there from time to time. Most notably, Jonah. Now the story of Jonah is kind of involved, but it can be uh, put down to three parts. Kind of a three-act play. In the first act, Jonah says, no way am I going to do that. I'm not going to preach to Nineveh. Those people don't deserve to be preached to. In act two, Jonah says, okay, I get it, I'll go. He had to be persuaded because he was that resistant. He winds up in the belly of a fish for three days and gets put upon the shore if the fish could talk, he would have said, uh, Jonah, this is your lucky day. You have one transport back to the Holy Land. Once he's there, though, he goes and he preaches, and that's what we've dived into today when we heard the scriptures from the book of the prophet Jonah. He does what the Lord says, and it is effective. And the people of Nineveh repent and are connected to God. So the third act of the play would be Jonah saying to himself, why did you make me do that? He's still irritated. It's almost like God is saying, I made you do that because of what I feel for this people. I love this people. I asked you to do it so that we could realize that love. Well, that's the reluctant worker. He has a job to do but he struggles to do it. The disciples that Jesus calls are first fishermen. Two sets of brothers are called. We've heard about that today. He comes to Simon Peter and to his brother Andrew, and he says, follow me, and I will have you begin to fish for people. And immediately they came and followed him. He comes to another set of brothers, James and John, 
And he says, follow me. And they leave their father Zebedee there in the boat with the hired folk. And they follow Jesus. We don't know anything about Andrew's struggles in following and doing his job. But we do know about the others. James and John had that difficult problem of just wanting to be at Jesus' right and left hand when he comes into absolute manifestation of power. And they get taught about that. Peter has one episode after another of being the, uh, the stubborn one, the one who thought he could redirect Jesus here and there, who thought he knew more than his Lord. And his final difficulty is spending days in the darkness of his own of his own denial of Christ until finally he's reunited with the resurrected Christ. This is a difficult passage from Paul, but in Paul what we always see is someone who was redirected himself, who repents, like, like Jonah's repentance finally, Paul was about the fervent work of stopping what Jesus was doing. Paul was trying to put an end to that. And the Lord had been after him. And finally, it came to a full confrontation in his vision. And then there was hardly anyone that could compare with his fervor for doing the job that he'd received the call to do. He happily followed Jesus after that experience. I was thinking about this uh, reluctance and this plunging into darkness when uh, uh, Bob Forker and I were at a writing uh, seminar and we were forced to write. And so I pulled together these uh, lines of verse into a sonnet form, um, and I'd like to share that with you now. <clears throat> it's called A Sonnet on Darkness and Light, A Syrian Theophany. Plunged into darkness by the light divine, dark as the fish tomb that was Jonah's fate, the man of Tarsus, now blind, lay supine in Damascus, there on a street called Straight. Sight returned when the good disciple came and prayed the scales right off the blind man's eyes. All then changed. So his tune was not the same, announcing news for which the lost souls cry. In blazing sun, he traveled Roman roads Prisons dim and dank gave rise to song. Possessed no more to kick against the goads, his light-filled heart then drove him all along. Dark within the hood when the axe was raised, then face to face he saw the light he praised. So Saul becomes Paul, and as Paul of Tarsus now preaching, he knows that darkness is not the same 
when the light of Christ dwells within you. He is able to do the work that was given to him to do. We find ourselves perpetually at a wonderful decision point. The decision to receive the gifts and also to receive the job that is ours. In a parish like St. Francis, you have all kinds of advantages because there is enough uh, camaraderie and support and ministry to get great things done beyond the church and within the church. And what we realize is that just as Jesus did not mean to save the world and proclaim his message as a lone voice, but pulled to himself others who would take on that cause, so we are called. We are part of the cooperative effort of God in this place. In the year ahead, like in the years past, you are going to hear some challenges from uh, the rector, from uh, your fellow parishioners, to come along and try out some kind of ministry that you might have. They could be ministries that are pastoral, visiting and caring for others, letting them know that we love them. They are part of our family. You have seen people go out from here to take communion to folks, and there are numbers of other ways that we do pastoral ministry together, but you might be called to that work. We have ministries of formation or education where the children hear and are formed where the youth are, where the adults are, and you might be part of that ministry. It may be your called job to do something in that field. There are liturgical ministries that take place, and they make our worship together uh, inspirational, dignified, rich, cooperative work that takes place. Even this morning, as we install two more altar guild members, we're thinking very especially about liturgical ministry, whether it is as an altar guild person who who puts all things in readiness before we start so that everything is there for dignified worship, whether it is music, acolyting, ushering. These are the kinds of ministry to which we are called together. And you may be hearing the call today or in the next week or so. We have ministries that have to do with outreach where what we do here has a bearing on what happens in our neighborhoods, in our community. And finally, there are, is the category of ministry that has to do with fellowship. It has to do with us enjoying one another's company, going deeper in our relationship together, just enjoying who, who the other person is that we're getting to know. Fellowship is an incredibly important ministry. So whether yours is the call that you're hearing, which is pastoral or formational or outreach or formational or liturgical or fellowship, 
these are all ways to serve. Quite frankly, everything you do is part of Christ's ministry. If you got little ones ready for church today, you have a ministry. If you have projects at work that require incredible patience and cooperation with other people, you have a ministry. If you are choosing what to do with your time and how to serve, you have a ministry. These are wonderful things. I hope that today, as we take communion, we are remembering our baptism, knowing that in our baptism, we received a gift. And thanks be to God, we received a job. <laughs>